Welcome to the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk with martial arts practitioners about their histories and the influence that their practice of martial arts has on their lives. You are listening to the free version of this podcast, which is abbreviated. Help support this program by considering to subscribe to us on Patreon, where you will get four full-length podcasts each month one week before the YouTube release date. The cost is that of about one coffee shop coffee per month. Go to www.patreon.com slash malmag to subscribe. That is www.patreon.com slash M-A-L-M-A-G. If you would like to purchase single full-length episodes of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, visit our Gumroad page at malmag.gumroad.com and that is M-A-L-M-A-G dot G-U-M-R-O-A-D dot com. This week I catch up with Marvin Ishmael who's in town from Calgary, Canada. We talk about his history, running a big school and kids programs, and much more. Sit back and enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome to the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, and today I've got a, another old friend of mine. Seems like I get a lot of old friends on here, but who else to bring on your podcast other than your old friends? So this is someone, uh, Marv, how long have I known you? Like 10 years now, yeah? I, about 10, 12, about 12 years. I 10 think. or 12 yeah. years. Yeah. So Marvin Ishmael is uh, a martial artist from Calgary, Canada, operates a school up there, but he's not originally from Calgary. And again, I, I don't want to tell their story so much. I want them to, to kind of tell their own story. So Marvin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Um, so yeah, so I'm, as you mentioned, I'm not originally from Canada. I am from Trinidad. And a lot of people recognize my accent right away. Um, some people even think I'm from, from, from India. Um, I've even had people come speak to me in Spanish, think I'm a, I'm a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> well, you but, do have a very unique physical look that crosses all of that and I think probably even that your name might confuse people as to absolutely as well. yeah, yeah. That, that's right so so yeah it's a bit of confusion when people see me <laughs> and they hear my name and hear me talk you know they try to put the puzzle together and so well, my I big ex- question yeah. is always what does a person who comes from such a nice warm place want to go to such a cold place yeah, that, that, that's yeah I ask myself that question a lot as well um, <laughs> you know when I when I go back to Trinidad it's um it is pretty hot, so I wondered how come I lived there for that long. <laughs> There's that as well. Yeah, I, I guess living in California, I, you know, I drift in. I went to college in Miami. I, you know, I got a wife from the Philippines, grew up in the Midwest, and I get back in that humidity and go, oh, my God, how did I do this? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so uh, how, when did you go to Canada from, from Trinidad? Uh, 2006. Oh, okay. Mid-2006, yep. Wow, so you lived a lot of your life actually in Trinidad. Before. Yeah, 33 years, and then I moved. Well, now you can work my age out. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, we'll do some math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, moved to Canada, to, to Toronto actually, in 2006, and then I moved up to northern Alberta for work um, in 2010, and then moved down to Calgary in 2012, and I've been there ever since. Wow, okay, and what kind of work do you do? Uh, engineer, mechanical engineer, I work in oil and gas. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that would be a lot of opportunity to go to a lot of places. Yeah, that's with right. That. And you, you do travel a bit with your... With I your do work. travel quite a bit across North America. I've been to, uh, to Europe and to Asia as well for, for work, yep. Oh, that's good. So, uh, I'm going to take it then that you started your martial arts in Trinidad then. I did. I started, um, I started Shotokan Karate in 1982. 
I did that for quite some time, and then I, I got involved in, in what I do now in 1997. Oh, okay. Yep. So how, did, how were you able to do that? Because you were in Trinidad at that time. So, and, and right now, currently, you're doing Jackie D, Kali, Muay Thai, uh, and a lot of the affiliated mm -hmm. things, Wing Chun. Yeah, so, so a funny story. So I was, um, I was studying, at the time, I was studying engineering with my, my good friend, my best friend, Curtis. And um, you know, we were having a little study break in May 2000, sorry, 1997. And we were flipping through the, the newspapers and we saw an ad for, for Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do and Filipino martial arts, uh, Wing Chun and so on. Um, and it was actually being taught by someone who was relatively famous in Trinidad at the time. Um, famous for you know, local movies and stuff. You know, he was one of Guru Dan's um, students. Oh. So he would travel to Los Angeles he would train, he'd go back to Trinidad. He had his own system as well, but then he introduced this uh, uh, Guru Dan's material. So we saw that and that attracted us to, to go visit him and we did. And that's when, that's when I kicked off my, the training that I do right now. Wow. So what was that like? I mean, what kind of training were you, uh, what was the training like at that time period for you? Well, it was, it was pretty similar to what I do now. I mean, it's the foundation of, of what I do now. Um, everything that, that we did, you know, from, from if, if I take Jeet Kune Do, for example, the basics, um, you know, all the footwork and all the basic techniques and trapping, um, you know, the five ways of attack, we covered a lot of those as well. So it, it, it really, you know, coming from a karate background, I'm not knocking karate, it gave me a nice solid foundation for 15 years. But, um, you know, moving away from, from the karate, so to speak, it kind of opened my eyes as to, as to what else there is in the martial arts world. Mm -hmm. And Jeet Kune Do, as you know, is it's all about the the individual. Mm -hmm. It encourages that open thinking, encourages you to train. Like like Rodan says, it's um, you know, it's like going to a buffet restaurant to eat. You know, you pick and choose what you like, mm -hmm. and that kind of opened my eyes as to the world of martial arts as it should be. Yeah. Wow. So uh, one thing I'm kind of curious about, and again, if, forgive the question if it just seems kind of weird, but um, so you're talking about in the '90s, the late '90s, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of used to, especially at that time period, either the being in a <clears throat> big place like Miami or Los Angeles and doing these martial arts and the things like the standard fare of equipment that we use, focus gloves, tie pads, these things were available. We could get them in a big city in a first world country like United States. How was that to get like yeah. here in Trinidad in well, that time period? That it was very difficult actually. and. Um, the the gloves that I would uh, the Kempo gloves that are uh, that 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 Joe Bruce Lee wore in oh, yeah. Into the Dragon. The, the I actually, the yeah. So my instructor then would bring those back from from the U.S. You travel uh, and you would pay for those. Or some from Asian World of Martial Arts, probably. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I actually still have that pair. So he would bring what we needed, like for, you know, focus mitts. Oh, okay. And um, those kind of things. Yeah, it's it's you won't at, at that time you won't uh, able to get anything like that in Trinidad. So. You know, the boxing shoes, you know, those uh, nice boxing shoes you can oh, wear yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh -huh. Ankle high boxing shoes. We'll get those from him. We'll get the uh, focus mitts from him. We'll get the Kempo gloves from him. Um, Eskrima sticks, all those things. Everything came from, from abroad because nothing was available. In Trinidad, back in the day, back then, it was pretty much uh, karate and um, maybe some judo. But, yeah. uh, but nothing, nothing more than that. Yeah. Wow. So what about now? Do you know, is there more than that? In Trinidad, there now. is. There's a lot more. It's more readily available. A lot more people travel, so they're able to import a lot of things now. So if you want something, you may have to wait for it. Mm -hmm. you, if you go to some specialty stores, you might be able to get some uh, some material. 
But um, your best bet is buying it abroad and bringing it in. Wow. Yeah. But it is a lot more readily available now than it was in 1997. Wow, that's yep. amazing. Mm -hmm. So then you moved to Canada for work. Now, I've not done the work of an engineer, but I, I went all the way through calculus in school, <laughs> and mm -hmm. then into college. Uh, it's not easy stuff. It sounds to me like a pretty hefty full-time job. Uh, how did you squeeze creating an actual martial art academy into all of that? Yeah. Well, first of all, a lot of the things, I'll be honest, a lot of the things you learn in school, you don't ever use it in the real <laughs> so, What? <laughs> so it, um, it comes down to, to practicality and experience. I've been in the oil and gas industry since 1995. Um, but what it comes down to is, is experience. And you know, when you are experienced, you get more comfortable with, with what you're doing without being complacent. Mm -hmm. You're comfortable, you're able to execute your work in a more relaxed way. And the main thing is, I enjoy what I do. So that enjoying what I do means that I'm not stressed and it allows me then to, to pursue my, my dreams as, as a martial artist as well. Mm -hmm. So the, the academy was officially um, uh, formed in or, or founded in, in 2012. We just celebrated um, 10 years, right. 10 year anniversary. It, it is a lot of work. A lot of people ask me, well, you know, this is a full-time job. How do, you, how do you do this? I have a great team of instructors who support me when I'm not available to teach. Um, you know, I have a lot of trust and faith in them and it, it, they help a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and the school, you know, it's, it's not free of its, its stresses and all of that, but once you have a group of people who, are, who have the right mindset, which I do, and aligned with the vision and mission, then it's, it's just growth from there onwards. Right. And you've got a big program. Like, I don't think I had an understanding of the size of it until we were just discussing over breakfast and you talked about how you just tested 72 kids or something like this. Yeah. Which means not, I don't think that's every kid in your program, right? No, that's, that's a, a huge yeah. kids program. Correct, let alone, yeah. Let alone yeah. with adults. So how many students do you have? Um, I would say about 250 students. Um, wow. Of that, I would say 75% uh, kids. Okay. So we, I have testing for kids every, every quarter. So every three months, uh, whoever is eligible for testing will be, will be tested. Wow. So and two locations? We have two locations. The main flagship location is in the... So Calgary is divided into quadrants. And the, the northwest location is, is in the northwest quadrant. And then there's a... There's a southeast location which caters for people in that far end of the city who want the training that we offer, but can't afford to drive. And in wintertime, driving in, in Calgary can, can, <laughs> can be a task. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You get a little bit of snow there. Uh, just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting is when you talk to martial art people and you talk about kids and teaching kids, you have pretty much two very distinct categories. People say, no way, no how, uh-uh not interested, and then people who actually kind of enjoy it. So I'm gonna guess with the size of kids program that you have, that that's something you actually enjoy doing. Absolutely, you know, for me, I, I really enjoy teaching kids, especially kids who are, you know, I would say, quote unquote, have uh, difficulty learning. Mm -hmm. You know, not, not everybody's gonna be as efficient in learning and developing, but those to me are the, are the ones that I see as, you know, these are the ones who really need the help or the kids who have been exposed to bullying, or the kids who are just shy and need to get out of their shells. These are the kids who benefit most from the program. Because, you know, we don't just teach kids about punching and kicking and how to fight and defend themselves. You know, we, we, we help them become better individuals, which 
which will translate into their, their school and work life later on. Oh, yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. So here's an interesting thing. I think we were talking the other night when we were having dinner about <coughs> schools where you kind of go in and you see the eight-year-old black belt. And that's, you know, a stereotype of whatever. And it's like, <coughs> I don't even know how to, how to even think about that. I mean, I, I could sit here and go, okay, there's maybe two, three, four ways to think about that. But, you know, I think what people think sometimes when they see that is, oh, this is a McDojo, this is a commercialization, this is a money grab, this is something where the quality might be low. So how do you go about that balance of teaching children uh, authentically, keeping them interested, which is, you know, we have to dangle the rewards in there. Obviously, you know, I think adults technically should be more disciplined, not that they always are. But with kids, I think it's kind of accepted that we need to throw a few more rewards in the meantime uh, than you would with an adult. Not only do that, keep it authentic, keep that reward system kind of in there, but also you're teaching multidiscipline. So it's not like, you know, Taekwondo is one art, you know, or karate is one art, but you're teaching several things. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance all that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So with the kids program, so it's called uh, Kids Jeet Kune Do program. Um, and it, it involves uh, or it includes the, the base, the foundation of, of Jeet Kune Do, which is Jun Fan. Then we have Filipino martial arts, uh, Silat, Mutai, Wing Chun, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So it's all part of, the, part of the program. And each level has a specific curriculum, right? Each level, requirements, time, uh, time as well as number of classes uh, to be met before they're eligible for testing. But with respect to the, you know, I try to teach the kids that it's not, it's not about the belt, you know, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, so mm -hmm. to speak, right? Um, and, you know, I, I would get parents who would co contact me or uh, prospective uh, students and say, okay, well, can you, can you guarantee my child a black belt in three years? <laughs> and, you know, I... <laughs> Interesting question. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Which sounds funny, I think, to those of us in the martial art world going, what? Yeah. I um you know I, I politely decline and I say you know what I'm I'm sorry I can't I can't provide that to you this wrong school this is this is how my program works mm -hmm. and I give them the example like my two um my two senior most um, uh, brown belts in the in the kids program have been with me for I would say ten years and they mm -hmm. they're brown belts right the mm -hmm. program is so vast in in that you know you you can't it's not possible for you to get to that to that level so quickly and besides you know getting a black belt is not just physical it's mental right and in my opinion um you know you need to be of a certain mindset before you can you can carry about yourself as a black belt it's not just showing technical skill but you need to have certain attributes as an individual and that can only be developed at a certain age and over time right yeah yeah, yeah. there's a responsibility and maturity these types of things exactly yeah so this is uh this will be interesting um so you've been around for 10 years, which means um, potentially, just kind of doing the math, you probably have some kids that are now adults or young adults. How do you start transitioning them from your kids to your adult program? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question again. Um, I do have some kids who started off like uh, seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. And at 14 years old, they transition into the adult program because they're just 
physically too big to be around four and five year olds, right? right? <laughs> so they, the understanding is that, okay, you're moving from one program to the next and, you know, I preach humility. Mm -hmm. So when they move into the adult program, you know, it's not about the belt. I, I'm going to leave behind that blue belt that I had mm -hmm. before or whatever belt. I'm, gonna, I'm entering a new program now. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to a new school, this, there are new rules, and I have to adapt to that. And what I find by and large is that they, you know, they, they're, they're okay with that because they want to learn. Mm -hmm. you, they are the odd ones who would be like, okay, well, no, I'm not interested if I have to lose my belt. And to me, that's a natural filter. Right. Because, you know, I, I, I preach, you know, we, we, we don't have any egos at the academy. When you walk in, forget everything you know and just come, uh, you know, the, 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 the old cliche, empty your cup. So I use that at all times and, you know, Right now, I have a, uh, I th I say, uh, quite a few students who are in the kids' program and are now training with their parents or on their own, and they have adapted nicely, and they, they're learning, and they're progressing nicely. Wow. Yeah. So how many, uh, I, I know I've offered a couple of things at, at the Nisanto Academy, a couple of seminars where I said it was like a kids and parents thing, and it was usually FMA, because we, we were, during the COVID period, uh, when we trained outside and had a little bit more room, we, we introduced the kids a bit more to the weaponry, to the FMA. And then we get back inside and we got a little less room. <clears throat> so Guru Dan asked me to continue teaching them uh, a bit of FMA in the class on Saturday. So uh, he teaches during the week and I assist him and then we switch roles. You know, with him not traveling, it's been kind of funny. He, he now said, I'm going to assist you on Saturday. And... And I kind of looked at him and he said, you know, if that's okay. And I'm thinking, it's your school, <laughs> of course it's okay. But So I had to joke with him. I said, well, Mr. Anasanto, I see here, let me look at your resume. It says you've assisted a guy by the name of Ed Parker and a guy by the name of Bruce Lee. I think he might be okay. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> so it's it, that's actually kind of fun because um, with him sort of stepping back, he can actually watch the kids a bit more. And so I take the pace at a point that I can showcase them a little bit more so he can actually see them, which I think has been very helpful. And he can actually go and coach them a bit more uh, personally when I'm running the class, which has been phenomenal. But, um, you know, picking up where I've got them swinging sticks on a, a Saturday still uh, has been um, very, very interesting because, you know, we, we, it is mixed class from, say, four years old to 16-year-olds in there. And... You know, the, the idea of putting a stick in a four-year-old's hand and watching them swing yeah, around yeah, yeah. is something that might be a little scary. Yeah. Uh, but we do our, I mean, I take, let's say, my mindset from uh, a firearms practice into any weaponry. And I say, okay, stress safety first mm -hmm. with them. So we, when you get your sticks, sit down, sit down on them. You know, don't go swinging them around. Show them how to measure up so they don't hit each other, don't hit people around them, that sort of thing. Um, so do you teach your kids weaponry too? We, I, we do, yes. So as soon as they start, you know, the, as part of the registration, they get a pair of Cali sticks. Oh, nice. And, you know, I teach them right away and parents will ask me, well, what are we doing? Some parents who are not familiar with the Filipino martial arts, I, I would explain to them, you know, one of the biggest attributes you gain from Filipino martial arts is hand-eye coordination. Mm -hmm. And, you know, using the non-dominant hand as well. So we start the kids off with those as soon as they, they, they join right away, from four years old. Um, you know, they learn control over time, and then as they progress, they learn more advanced skills with it, and then learn how to translate those into empty hands and to using various objects or weapons as well. So they're educated right away, there, and they train with that open mind. Wow. Yeah. 
do you get a lot of um, uh, family? So as I, I think uh, the point I was trying to get to with the, the uh, that I totally forgot about it as I was talking, uh, with the seminars I teach was getting the kids and the parents to train together a little bit in these things because um, I think of on a Wednesday night at the academy in particular, there is a kids class going on downstairs and a college class going on upstairs so they could, you know, train while they bring their kids. But uh, I was also looking at it as a, as a bonding thing with these parents and kids. And in the, the seminars that I've done it, it's gone over pretty well. And the parents and the kids had a good time. Um, do you have a lot of that, like families where the parents train and the kids train? Yeah, I think there's not much. But the ones, the, the, the instances that we do have is because of scheduling. You know, a parent mm -hmm. may not be able to take the child at a certain time. And they will ask me, okay, if I come to this adult class, can they join me? And because we use uh, weapons as well, mm -hmm. you know, I, I like the parent to be there because they're minors. But we do have well, some that cases. Way if they whack each other, it's a yeah, well, there problem, go, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I do have some instances where we have uh, parents training with the kids uh, together. And, and you know, it's the advantage is you, you train there, then you can go home and you can, you can work together and practice. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be a nice, nice bonding thing. Well, in, in that respect, you have children and they train, or at least, I know one does. Two. Two, two, two do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've met them. They're, they're quite, uh, quite good kids, actually, uh, yeah. when, the, when you brought them down one other time. And I do see, like on your social media, I see them. Um, your daughter does some teaching there, right? She does, yeah. She's a junior instructor, yeah. Wow. Yep. That's really good. That's some uh, amazing responsibility for, yeah, for young people. I yeah, think it's she's, uh, she's 17, and then my other junior instructor is, uh, is 15. And they are sorry, fourteen, and they um, they they do a great job. Both of them, you know, they do privates and all that as well. Wow. Um, and then I have the other brown belts who are coming up as um, as as assistants and instructors as well. But the two of them, you know, being a lot of times, you know, people would say, um, well, martial arts is 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 for men, it's for guys. You know, mm -hmm. women can't do this, girls can't do this. <laughs> but none of them have ever gotten an elbow from Kathy Long. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but um. But they, they do quite well. Um, the 14-year-old is, uh, is, is Jassy, and uh, she's been with me for, I would say, nine, ten years as well. But, um, oh, yeah, for gosh, quite some yeah, time. I remember when she was little and yeah, came here. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's at the academy a few times. And then my daughter, Isabella, she's, um, she's 17, like I said. And they, you know, they're good friends as well. And they, mm -hmm. I usually have, have them help the newer, the newer kids um, mm -hmm. when they come for trials or when they, you know, just kind of, yeah, that and this concludes the abbreviated version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. Please click the like and subscribe buttons as well as the notification bell. Also consider subscribing to the full-length podcast at www.patreon.com slash malmag or purchasing individual full-length episodes at malmag.gumroad.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast with Marvin Ishmael. Coming up next week, we're going to keep talking to some Canadians with a young lady by the name of Ann Conklin. Check out the Melmag store at www.martialartslifestylemagazine.com and click on the store tab. There, you will find a full selection of Timmy B's brand sticks for FMA and Kirby Kerbong, as well as Timmy B's and Dos Manos t-shirts. Many more products coming soon. Also click on our courses tab to purchase online courses, right now featuring the course in the Dos Manos stick of FMA. More courses to come. This show is produced by Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine. Visit us at www.martialartslifestylemagazine.com 
and enjoy the free version of our online magazine with articles, a recommended schools page, and a worldwide events calendar. Music by Jack Al Relic. Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine and the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast are trademarked and copyrighted by TNT LLC. Thank <laughs> you.